Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. Man, I just read a lot of verses. What's going on there, Brother Keegan? Well, Daniel sees a vision. There's, a, there's this ram. It has two horns. And the Bible just tells us there in verse 20 that that's Media and Persia, the kingdom of Media and the Persians. They were ruling the whole known world at the time. And when the Media and Persians were ruling, it said there was a, a, a he-goat comes, and he has this big one big horn on this goat, and it runs and it runs and it smashes that ram, stamps on that ram with the two two horns, and, he, and, and the Bible tells us in verse 21, Gabriel tells us that that rough goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. That's Alexander the Great. Now, I already preached on this, and if you haven't heard that, you can go back on it. It's on the internet, or you can get, get a copy from me, that, of, of Alexander the Great, and all the great prophecies of Alexander the Great. It says, out of that last horn, there was four, that four horn broke up, and it became four kingdoms there in verse 22. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, Alexander the Great died. There were four kingdoms that rose out of Alexander the Great's kingdom, verse 22. Four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. So these four kingdoms were not as great as the first kingdom of Grecia, which was Alexander the Great's kingdom. Those four kingdoms that rose up was Egypt, Grecia, Asia Minor, and Syria. Those four nations rose up out of Alexander the Great's kingdom. But it says in the latter time, verse 23, there's going to come out of those, one of those four kingdoms, there will come up a king when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance. And understanding dark sentences shall stand up. My friends, that is a prophecy of the Antichrist. The Antichrist. So let's find out what we can discern about the prophecy of the Antichrist. Go back to verse 8. Go back to verse 8. I read all these other verses so you'll have an understanding that the Bible was interpreting itself and telling you who this ram was, who this he-goat was. That's the Medes and the Persians, Alexander the Great. Understand, that's a prophecy about Alexander the Great that's amazing. That, may, that prophecy of Alexander the Great is an amazing prophecy. But let's go back and look at verse 8. And let's try to discern what we can find out about the Antichrist. It says, therefore, that the he-goat waxed very great. That was the Grecian Empire. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. That's Alexander the Great. The great horn, Alexander the Great, was broken. And for it came up four notable ones. That's the four kingdoms. Toward the four winds of heaven. Egypt, Greece, Asia Minor, Syria. Verse 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. The Bible tells us in verse 9 in, in prophecy that, the, that Alexander the Great's kingdom was going to be destroyed. And out of those four kingdoms came up four notable ones. But that the Antichrist is going to come out of one of those four kingdoms. See that verse 9? And out of one of them came forth a little one. Now it says that he sitting great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. That puts him in the north. Now in Daniel chapter 11 verse 40, the, the Antichrist is... Described as the king of the north. Syria was the northern kingdom. So we can discern from all of that that he was the king of the north, that Syria was the northern kingdom, and the description of verse 9 that he waxed toward the south. 
and toward the east and toward the pleasant land, pleasant land to be Israel, that he's coming from the north. That would put the Antichrist, and we believe, the scholars believe, and I believe that the Antichrist is going to be Syrian. This has been taught for over, I know over a hundred years, Assyrian. What does that mean? What's in the newspapers day and night right now? Syria. Isn't that interesting? Where is ISIS located at? Syria. This prophecy was written down 2,500 years ago. And I'm telling you, scholars have believed for, I know for personally, I know I have a book at home, I can show you this personally, over 100 years old that says that the Antichrist will be a Syrian. Not knowing anything about Syria, he just says the Antichrist will come from Syria. That's what we believe. Guys, you're living in the year 2016. Does that not ring true today? Man, it's scary. What we know about the Muslims, what we know about Islam, what we know about ISIS, what we know what's going on with Syria. When Trump got up to accept the Republican National Convention, when he accepted that, he gave his speech. He hammered Hillary Clinton. What did he hammer Hillary Clinton on? He kept hammering Hillary Clinton, saying that she had let the U.S. government down in Syria. Her, her foreign policy in Syria was bad. He kept hammering it. He kept mentioning Syria. And here we are in the Bible reading that the Antichrist will come from Syria, as the prophecy says. Guys, that should wake you up. It's amazing. This Bible is an amazing, amazing book. There's other prophecies of the Antichrist through your Bible, and they call him the Assyrian. Now, we're not going to go to those, but if you want to study it yourself, I'll write these down. Micah chapter 5, verses 5 and 7 talks about the Assyrian. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5 through 23, they talk about the Assyrian. And Ezekiel chapter 31 describes Satan as a tree in the Garden of Eden, and it says he's the Assyrian. It ties the Assyrian to Satan. That's Ezekiel chapter 31. That's verses 3 through 18. Pharaoh, when Pharaoh came into power and was persecuting Israel down in Egypt, before Moses came and got him out, remember there was a Pharaoh that was there with Joseph. Joseph was there, and he was second in command to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh loved Joseph, and Joseph was running all of Egypt. And then when Joseph died, the Bible says there became a new Pharaoh in that knew not Joseph. You know where the Bible says that Pharaoh came from? Assyria. Pharaoh in your Bible, starting in Exodus chapter 1, 2, and 3, all the way up, he's a great type of the Antichrist. He's called the Assyrian. Guys, we believe the Antichrist will be from Assyria. More than likely a Muslim from Syria. Let's keep on reading, verse 10. And it waxed great, talking about this little horn, the Antichrist, even to the host of heaven, host of heaven, heavenly things. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. That's a prophecy of Revelation 12 where the war breaks out in heaven and Michael the archangel is fighting with the devil and the devil comes down and the stars are cast down. All that's a prophecy there, there in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 12. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, more than likely that's Jesus Christ, and by him, by the Antichrist, the daily sacrifice was taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression and it cast down the truth to the ground and it practiced and 
prospered. It says the Antichrist is going to take the daily sacrifice and he's going to take it away. What does that tell you? That tells you that when the Antichrist is in power, there has to be a third temple. There has to be a temple sitting in Jerusalem when he takes that daily sacrifice away. Right now, there is no temple. But the Jews are back in Israel in 1948. That tells you that the time is getting close for Jesus Christ to come back. That tells you the time for the Antichrist to come back is getting close. Because Israel became a nation in 1948. And what it's the first thing that Israel did, they started talking about rebuilding the temple. They wanted to rebuild the temple. 1967, the Six-Day War took place. All the Muslim nations, they came down against that one little nation called Israel. They were going to wipe it out. They should have wiped Israel out. And in six days, Israel whipped every one of them and pushed them back. And by God's hand, it was a miracle, guys. By God's hand, he whipped them back and drove all those Muslims back. And they were running for their life. And during that fight, they got back the Temple Mount and got up there. And they had the horn. And they had some of them Orthodox Jews. And they were up on that mount, that Temple Mount. And they were, they were blowing that horn. And man, Israel, people's hair on the back of their neck was standing up. They thought Jesus Christ was going to come back. The leader of Israel, he came in there and he shut all that down and he, because he didn't want to... It was already causing a stink all over the world. Because see, the United States, your lovely United States, they backed off. The people were backing off to see what would happen. They didn't want an international scene because Israel's just this little nation and they have, they're buying oil from all these other Iranian and Iraqi and all, the Jordans and Syria and all these other nations and Egypt and they're going to come in and destroy Israel and they didn't know what to do. And the Israelis, they were crying out for help. They were crying out for help and nobody would help them. United Nations would not help them. So they preemptive took off and started striking and they won that battle. But see, it was such a political hotbed that when they got up on that Temple Mount, they shut all that down. The Israeli leader came down, shut it down, brought them down, and said, don't be doing that. Why? Because what's on the Temple Mount today? What's on the Temple Mount today? Where the temple should be sitting, the Dome of the Rock. A Muslim, Muslim temple's up there. And the Muslims, if you know anything about Muslims, they will kill you for getting anywhere near that. So now there's all this. They will not even allow you to get up there and pray. They don't want nothing to do with that. But the Bible prophesizes here in verse 11, guys, and you can take my word for it, there will be a third temple built. Amen. There will be. Why are you so confident to say that, Brother Keegan? Because I'm confident to say that he was an Assyrian. I'm confident because the Bible says, and your Bible's running way ahead of everything going on in the newspapers. Amen. Amen. If you're reading your Bible, you're reading way ahead of what the New York Times or any other paper you could read is going to say a week or two weeks from now. This stuff was written 2,500 years ago. So I believe, because the Bible says it'll happen, that there will be a temple rebuilt and that that temple is going to sit up there. Now, Israel has done, as a nation, has done everything they can to get that temple ready to be used. They've gathered in all the instruments. They're gathering in all this other stuff to try to make the, the, the sacrifices possible. They've even got a red heifer. They try to get away from San Angelo, Texas. Way over in San Angelo, Texas, Israel is trying to buy red heifers to try to find a perfect heifer to sacrifice when they get that temple rebuilt. Now, here's what can happen. That Dome of the Rock does not have to be destroyed for the temple to be rebuilt. Where that Dome of the Rock is at, on top of the Temple Mount. If you ever look at a picture of Israel, and you see that golden globe that's on top. You ever see, that's the Dome of the Rock that I'm talking about. 
Go Google it. Get on the computer. You can see all you want to find out. All this information is free to find out. But they can literally pitch a tent-type tabernacle like Moses had. They can literally pitch that tent. It would not be much bigger than this room right here, guys. The Holy of Holies would be back behind here. They could pitch it like, just like that in 24 hours without destroying the Dome of the Rock. If they were allowed to, the Muslims would never allow that, guys. Never. The Muslims are running that right now. They would never allow that. Somebody's going to have to come in and allow that to happen. That would be the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going, something's going to have to happen. Now you say, how's that possible? I don't know. It seems impossible with the way the Muslims are, but with God, all things are possible. So I don't know how it's going to happen. I believe it can happen. I know it can physically can take place. Guys, i tell you something you look for. People always say, what do I look for? Look for this. They need to have the Ark of the Covenant to put in the Holy of Holies. They've been looking for the Ark of the Covenant from the time of Herod. When the second temple was rebuilt, they've been looking for that Ark of the Covenant. The movie Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones, that's what he's looking for and supposedly the Nazis found. Everybody's looking for it. There's speculation that the Jews already have it and they got it put back and they're waiting to where the time's right and they can bring it out. When they get the temple, then they can bring it out. If you ever hear that they've discovered the Ark of the Covenant, you better go pack your bags. <laughs> We're about to leave. That's what's about to happen. Now, skip back down to... Verse 23, let's go ahead and skip on down for time's sake and look some more about the Antichrist. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors will come to the full, a king of fierce countenance, this king rises up, the Antichrist, uh, and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. It says he understands dark sentences. That implies that he can understand magic and witchcraft and stuff like that. I don't really understand completely what dark sentences means. A lot of, a lot of us don't. I believe and I teach that it's talking about the occult. It's talking about witchcraft. It's talking about wizardry. It's talking about uh, the stuff that's very satanic going on with dark sentences. Verse 24. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Hmm. And he shall destroy wonderfully. And shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. The holy people there in context is the Jews. He's going to destroy the Jews. We know that about the Antichrist. But it says there in verse 24, his power shall be, he'll have mighty power, but not by his own power. The Antichrist is not going to be doing all this by his own power. Turn to Revelation 13. Keep your thumb here or keep your finger here, but turn to Revelation 13. Let's go to Revelation 13. You can't study Daniel Without studying Revelation, you can't study the book of Revelation. Without studying the book of Daniel, they go hand in hand. The Antichrist, he's doing all this, but not by his own power. Look at Revelation 13, verse 1. Here's a prophecy of the Antichrist, the beast rising up. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. That's the Antichrist. That's a type of the devil. The devil's a type of that Leviathan. Verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. Now when I taught this some months back, when I preached on this out of Daniel chapter 7, out of Daniel chapter 8, some of Daniel chapter 8, this is how I taught it and this is how I preach it. You remember Revelation 13 two. 
That beast, it says that leopard, that leopard is an integrated beast. There's all kinds of different integrated colors in there. That's America. That's USA. His feet were as the feet of a bear. That bear is Russia, part of Russia. And his mouth is the mouth of a lion. That's England. Mouth of a lion. That's English. Universal language in the world is English. And the dragon, we know the dragon is the devil, gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. So he not only gets his power from the devil, but that dragon is a type of China. China. You know, the Chinese dragon. The symbol for China is a dragon. The symbol for Russia is a bear. The symbol for England is a lion. And guys, I'm here to tell you that the symbol for America is not an eagle. It's a leopard. It's a leopard. That's what I believe. That's what I believe and that's what I teach. And the dragon, that's no doubt the devil gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So this Antichrist is getting all this authority and power from the devil. Never, ever, ever discount the spiritual side of things. We tend to forget there's a spiritual side behind everything. There's a spiritual side behind Hillary Clinton running for office. There's a spiritual side behind Donald Trump running for office. There's a spiritual side behind Obama being put in office. There's spiritual things going on that we can't understand. There was a spiritual side to Hitler being in office. And when you look at the history of it and you look back, now we had that 2020 hindsight. We can say how God raised up Hitler. Hitler persecuted the Jews. Jews were thrown in the Holocaust. They came out of the Holocaust. And what happened then? They went straight over to Israel and the United Nations, because of the Holocaust, let them become a nation in one day. Prophecy. Isaiah. Prophecy. Isaiah. Getting them ready to become a nation. Why? Because they got to get ready to rebuild the temple. So the Antichrist can come in. And then what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to come back. See, God is doing all of this to get Jesus Christ back into this earth and rule this world. That's why he's doing all this. It's all about Jesus Christ in the end. But Revelation 13, look at verse 3. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. The Antichrist evidently is assassinated. About three and a half years through the tribulation period, he gets assassinated. He's assassinated. Takes a wound, evidently by a sword. But he's wounded, and it looks like he's assassinated, and he's dead. And look at verse 4. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. That'd be the devil in China. And they worship the beast, the Antichrist, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Forty and two months is three and a half years. That's the last end of the tribulation period. The tribulation period is seven years. One week. That's three and a half years, forty-two months. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God. This is the Antichrist. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. There's that tabernacle again, that temple. And them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, that's the Jews, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. He's ruling the whole world, this Antichrist. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Who shall? Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When you become a born-again Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to go to hell. The Bible's real plain about that. These people are worshiping Him because their name's not written in the Book of Life. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. 
He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. This beast, this is the false prophet. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, the Antichrist, before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. He was assassinated, now he's raised up from the dead. And now this false prophet is having everybody worship this Antichrist, this beast. Verse 13, And he doeth great wonders, the false prophet, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Who else has done that? Elijah. The greatest prophet God ever rose up was Elijah. And Elijah was the one that had the fire come down from heaven. Now the false prophet of the Antichrist, he's having fire brought down from heaven. Woo! You better stop living by sight. You better start living by faith. Amen. You live by sight, it'll deceive you and you'll send yourself straight to hell like a bullet if you're not a Christian. You've got to stop living by sight. You've got to start living by faith. You can see the devil's using all these sights and these great wonders to fool people. Verse 14, And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. So many people are running around looking for a miracle, looking for a miracle, looking for... And you know what's going to happen? The devil's going to give you a miracle to believe in. But you're not going to be believing in Jesus Christ. You're going to be believing in the Antichrist middle of verse 14, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, the Antichrist, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, the Antichrist, which had the wound by a sword and did live. See, he took that wound to the head by the sword, and now he's alive. How did he do that? There's a miracle. Oh, my goodness. And the false prophet said, we need to make an image about him. Verse 15, he had power. False prophet had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Here's this image. And what does he do? He had, what's he have power to do? That the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He creates this image. And when inside this image that he creates, this image is able to talk and to speak and to walk and to do all kinds of things. A hundred years ago, they couldn't even imagine it. That's out there in left field, isn't it? But living in the year 2016... With artificial intelligence and computers and robots, this is as real as it can be. This is a guy over in Japan has made this robot that looks just like uh, Johanna, what's her name, that was plays in the movies as an actress. He made her look just like that girl. So he could have one. <laughs> he can't have the actress, so he just makes a robot that looks just like her. And if you look at a picture, she looks, she looks just like her. And the girl walks around and she talks. And the Bible said... 2,000 years ago, this prophet will be able to make an image and will be able to walk around and talk. 2,000 years ago. See, you're so worried about computers. All that's doing is confirming what the Bible already said. It's right there. You understand that you're looking at something that was impossible 2,000 years ago. That's impossible 100 years ago. Is that possible today? Yes. What does that tell you? You're living in the end times. Wake up. Verse 16. And he calls with all, all, everybody, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What's that? 
Here's the wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Here's the number of the Antichrist. And his number is 600, three score and six. 660 and six. Six, six, six. Mark of the beast. That's the number of the Antichrist. 30 years ago, they would say, when the mark of the beast comes along, they're probably going to tattoo on a barcode. So that when you go to the grocery store, you would scan that barcode over the computer and it would ring it up, see? And you'd have to have that barcode. Anybody ever heard that? 30 years ago, you've got to have that. But guys, I say this a million times, and you don't know, I do this with all respect, but this Bible is so much further ahead of us than we could even totally imagine. When people say, why do you believe the Bible? I'd say prophecy. And the guy up in prison, up in Gatesville, said, show me. I turned to this verse right here. And I said, do you remember the mark of the beast? You've heard people say it's a... He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, read what that verse says. Read it again. Look at verse 16. And he calls all, all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Do you read what that word says? It don't say on, does it? It says I-N. And now we're living in the year 2016 and they're making these little microchips that's, no, that's even smaller than a grain of rice and they want to put them inside your skin. And guess where they want to put them? Right in your hand. And they can take that, with that look, they can take a computer, boop, and it tells them everything about you. Your blood type, your bank account, your social security number, everything. When they get that little chip in there, and this is what they're saying, that way, we can, that way if your kid gets kidnapped, we'll know where your kid's at. That's how they sell it to you. You ever heard that? Yeah, they're doing that with dogs. Guys, your Bible said it wasn't on their hand or on their foot. What does the Bible say? In, in, I, in. Guys, what are we not reading? You, we need to read our Bible closer. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? This Bible is amazing. It's prophesying something that we can't even comprehend. We're not smart enough because we're not living in the time this is going to take place. But now that it's getting closer and closer, we can pick up our Bible and we can say, Oh my gosh, that's a computer. Oh my gosh, that's a walking around robot. Oh my gosh, that's one of those microchips I just read about last week. That was written 2,000 years ago. That should make you say, I stand in awe of thy word. The prophecies of the Antichrist are coming to pass right before our very eyes. Back to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. It says there in Daniel chapter 8 that the Antichrist, he's going to rise up and he's going to have much power, but not by his own power. And the Bible says in the Revelation chapter 6 that as Jesus Christ opens up the seal and that seal is opened up, the seven seals are opened up, that the first, there's four horsemen that come out of there and the four, first horseman that comes out of there is a horseman on a white horse carrying a bow and he's given a crown and that's the Antichrist. Okay, now let's step back. He's on a white horse. He's carrying a bow, no arrows. Just a bow. And he's given a crown. Now who is given a crown and has the appearance of power but really doesn't have power? Is a politician. So the Antichrist is given a crown. He's got a bow with no arrows. What's the sign of a bowman? This is going to freak some of y'all out. The sign of a bowman is this. You lift up your hands, it's a sign of a bowman or an archer. You lift up these two fingers and you bend them just a little bit like this. You ever seen that? 
See? See how you take those two fingers and you pull the bow back? That's a sign of a bowman. Who does that? I've seen the Pope doing that. You've seen those pictures of a Catholic Jesus Christ? You see the Catholic Jesus Christ and he's standing up and he's got those two fingers right here and they're bent just like that. You ever wonder why he's doing that? That's a sign of a bowman. Y'all just meditate on that for just a little while. Guys, don't ever discount the spiritual side of things. The spirit of the Antichrist is running through this world, running through all these false religions. We're back in Daniel chapter 8. And it says there in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, And through his policy, the Antichrist has policy. Who has policies? Yeah, politicians have policies. They have foreign policies. You see how, you, well, I want to read the King James Bible, but I just, it's too hard to understand. No, it's not hard to understand. It's different, but it's not hard to understand. That word policy is used today. Politicians have policies. This is a policy. This is a politician. Through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. Man, his policies are good. They're causing people to get rich. The Antichrist. And look, he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace shall destroy many. Peace, peace, but there'll be no peace. See, he's trying to bring in peace agreements, peace policies. That's all they're doing nowadays over in Israel. They're trying to have peace agreements. Israel's trying to get a peace agreement with the Gaza Strip. And the Muslims are trying to do peace agreements with Jordan. And Jordan's trying to do a peace agreement. See, it's all about peace, peace. Everybody wants peace. And they need somebody to come in and bring a peace treaty. Obama, one of the things they said about Obama, he got to do everything he wanted to do. And that's pretty much right, amen. He brought in all his different changes he wanted to do, but the one thing he didn't get to do that he wanted to do was bring peace to the Middle East. And he's very, very sad about that. He's not going to be the one to do it. You know who's going to bring peace to the Middle East? The Antichrist. And we'll get into that in Daniel chapter 9. When we preach on Daniel chapter 9, I'll show you that. He shall bring by peace, shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princesses. That's Jesus Christ. But he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning which is told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision. For it shall be for many days. This angel tells Daniel everything that's going to happen. He says at the end he's going to stand up against a prince of princes against Jesus Christ. And of course he's going to be destroyed. And, the, and the Gabriel says now shut all this up because it's not for many, many days. Now that was about 2,500 years ago, guys. I'm telling you right now, the days are getting shorter. Amen. It's getting closer. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days after I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision, but none Understood it. We don't really understand it. But as it's getting closer, we're starting to understand it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you one more last amazing thing about this, this Antichrist and a prophecy on this Antichrist. It says there in verse 23, it says, In the latter day and in their latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And it said back in, uh, in, in verse 12 and verse 11, it says the daily sacrifice was taken away and there's something that's put in there as transgression. It's called the abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 9. But what we know is, is that when the Antichrist is in there, he gets that deadly wound 
and he dies. And it appears he either dies or it appears he dies. He gets that deadly wound. He's assassinated. He's laid out. It looks like he's dead. The false prophet comes in there and he makes an image. And somewhere along the way, the Antichrist, they said the Antichrist, he rises up. And he stands up. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Jesus Christ talks about this. This is in closing, Matthew 24. Look at Matthew 24. And this is in closing. Jesus talks about this. Man, when that has, I'm glad we're going to be up in heaven. If you're a born-again Christian, you've been raptured out. You're up in heaven. You're at the judgment seat of Christ. The world is left to deal with all this stuff. And this is what the world's going to see. And, and, and Jesus is talking to the Jew. Because remember, the Jews, they're still down here. Unless you're a born-again Jew, you're still down here. And this, all the book of Revelation is dealing with is the Jews. And what the Jews are going to have to deal with in the tribulation period. But look at verse 15. Jesus gives them a warning. When ye therefore shall see, verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 8. Jesus mentions Daniel the prophet. See it? Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. When you shall see that, look what, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. See that in parentheses? Jesus says, when you see the abomination, abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place. Verse 16, then let them which be in the Judea flee into the mountains, and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's what we call the Great Tribulation period. And when the Antichrist has been assassinated, he's laying in that temple. Jesus Christ says, abomination, desolation. That, he's put in that temple. And the Bible says he's going to stand up. When you see that Antichrist stand up, Jesus Christ says, you better get up and run. All hell is about to break loose. It's abomination, desolation. It's the Antichrist come back alive. He's to come alive to destroy the Jews. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head, knowing I'm a sinner, and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him